Christopher Mad Dog Russo here with you. Mike, how are you? That was pretty good. That is my Christopher Russo impression. I am very happy to have shared that with you. Uh, that takes a lot. I don't know how Christopher Russo keeps doing that. He's got to be into his 70s now, and he still does that in like high at, at high in high heat on MLB Network. He still does that. That takes a toll, you know. And I appreciate that. That I do my impression. I thought that was pretty good, to be honest with you. I think I do a pretty good Christopher Mad Dog Russo, especially in the intro. I'm not going to do anything more than the intro because that's the one that I'm most confident on. And when you start getting into the parts that you're not confident in, then, you know, it can kind of fly off the rails. So that was my impression. Christopher Mad Dog Russo. So if you have no idea who that is, one, shame on you. Okay. Absolutely shame on you. If you're a sports person that's listened to sports at any time in your career, you should absolutely know who Christopher Mad Dog Russo is. You can pretty much chalk up the current climate of sports talk radio, sports talk TV to Mike and the Mad Dog on uh, WFAN, if I remember correctly. I can't remember the call letters. I think it's WFAN. I apologize if I'm saying that wrong. Uh, WFAN in New York, uh, one of the most legendary sports talk radio shows in the history of mankind, came to a very abrupt and kind of messed up ending. Uh, not like messed up in a bad, just like, you know, everything kind of fell apart uh, between the two of them. And then, you know, Mad Dog went on to do multiple his own shows and then he went on to go work at Emily Network and now he's working on ESPN doing first take and stuff every now and again uh but yeah that's Christopher Mandogger so that was my impression if you don't know what you don't know what that is uh look it up he would do those intros every morning and it was a great way to wake everybody up on the subways in beautiful New York City uh let's start the show that's the it's not Mike and the Mad Dog we are tied this is the weekend sports rap podcast Okay, with James Timberlake, a little bit smaller than Mike and the Mad Dog, but maybe not in the long run. We might get a little bit bigger. Who knows? We'll see. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to get to that point, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. First thing I'm going to ask of you, uh, please remember to rate this podcast wherever you're listening to it. You can listen to it on a bunch of different podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Pandora's doing podcasts, you know, the whole spiel. Go rate it if you can. You can go listen to them anywhere, but please go rate them if you would not mind. Uh, if not, well, you know what? I'm just, uh, I'm happy to have you here. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for uh, showing your, uh, giving me your ears so I can talk some, uh, talk some sports. We're going to intro. We're going to talk first about the big news that broke in the basketball world. I mean, the basketball season is officially over in 2023. Everybody's kind of, ch- I mean, we're, we have the draft coming up, I guess. Uh, which is still kind of an extension of basketball season, if you will. But I think for the most part, mostly all the fans that watch basketball kind of uh, maybe not as extensively as typical basketball fans, like, you know, the, the not the hardcore fans. They don't, don't really pay attention to the draft. So I can confidently say basketball season is basically over. Uh, but that didn't matter for the NBA because the NBA, it, it is a year-long a year-long uh, reality TV show with the stuff with Zion, which if you are unaware of that, please go look up the stuff with Zion right now. It is a, a weird tale uh, of just some weird stuff going on with Zion Williamson. Uh, it is it's very odd, uh, but that is not what we're talking about, though. No, we're talking about the big news that broke Monday, yesterday, for everybody that's listening on Tuesday, but Monday, officially, uh, the big news that broke on Monday, Bradley Beal is finally getting out of that disaster of a franchise that is the Washington Wizards. Uh, they have been bad, basically, uh, maybe not bad, but very middle of the road too bad uh, since the late 70s when they were running around with like Wes Unseld 
uh, the Elvin Hayes days. Like that's basically, they've been very average ever since then. And that was a, a very long time ago. Bradley Beal, if you go look at their basketball reference page, according to win shares, which is kind of like the, um, the overwhelming stat that basketball reference and a lot of those reference pages use to track how good somebody is in their tenure. Uh, Bradley Beal is listed as the fourth best player in the history of that franchise. And that kind of says a lot about the wizards that that franchise has just been not good. they had a couple good years with like Gilbert, Gilbert arenas, uh, when he was around there had a couple good years when, uh, uh, John wall was there. Like those are kind of the, you know, the years that you remember because everything has gone so poorly around them. Uh, and that's, you know, Bradley Beal, I think, is very happy to be getting out of there. He is being traded to the Phoenix Suns, uh, a super team in the making. Well, I'm basically being made already. Uh, the Suns will be getting Bradley Beal, Jordan Goodwin and Isaiah Todd. And the Wizards are getting Chris Paul, who I would imagine is going to be uh, basically sign and dealt, sign and trade, or um, basically bought out so he can hit free agency. Uh, they're also getting Landry Shamit, multiple second round picks, and multiple pick swaps. It's a lot for the Suns to go out and get Bradley Beal. That's the cost of it. That is that is quite a a, a big price. You are losing um, somebody in Chris Paul, which granted he is clowned on all the time, and you know he does it to himself. I would argue a lot of the time he has not been a very good winner. Uh, and you know, just in the history of the NBA, but he is without a doubt, just statistically one of the great point guards in the history of the NBA. I would argue that he makes, uh, actively a lot of people, everybody around him a lot better because of how effective he is at the point guard position. But with that being said, um, he does have issues in the playoffs. He does not doesn't really maybe translate well to the playoff game. He just never has been very effective in the playoffs uh, for a lot of his tenure, a lot of his career. And it showed again for the Suns, he kind of dropped off a little bit. He got hurt a little bit during the playoffs as well. But uh, when he was on the floor, they were not at, they were not nearly as good uh, when he was off the floor, but you know, I still think he's one of the great players. I think he could still possibly help a team. I don't think he should be uh, somebody that is relied on too heavily to be a massive part of a of a of a big three, if you will. Um, but I still think he is very much uh, able to help a team maybe get to uh, the next level that they need to get to. Uh, and then Landry Shamit's going to be going to the Wizards. He'll probably stay in the multiple second round picks and multiple pick swaps. Beal finally gets out of Washington. Purgatory uh, as purgatorious as purgatory can be, uh, which is Washington. But with that being said, my my bigger picture here that I want to talk about is the idea of the construction of a super team. And are we so sure that these actually work? Um, I would argue, and, and it's not the, like, you know, you're built through the draft super teams. Those are a pretty good way to get your team to championships and to win championships that way. I'm not going to argue that. I'm saying the uh, constructed in free agency super teams aren't, you know, maybe the most effective way to try to win championships. Uh, the only I, I can think of two off the top of my head that I'm looking at that have really been uh, that were really successful. Uh, LeBron James is in two of them, essentially. LeBron, well, is is it the focal point of two of them? LeBron James, uh, when he joined the Heat, the decision that was a big, that was kind of the beginning. You, I mean, a lot of people point at that as the beginning, but that, I don't think that's necessarily true because Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, I think that was more of the beginning. And um, I'm going to start with LeBron James moving to the Heat because that's really the focal point that kind of feels like began everybody else to do it. So we'll go LeBron James to the Heat. That one obviously worked out, but. Granted, uh, arguably the greatest player of all time had to be part of it. 
uh, and they did struggle a little bit here and there. They lost, they got upset in the NBA Finals in uh, 2011 against the Dallas Mavericks. One of the bigger upsets, I think I can confidently say, in the history of the Finals, because everybody thought the uh, Heat were just going to waltz in there against, you know, Dirk Nowitzki, J.J. Perea, you know, Jay, an older Jason Kidd and Tyson Chandler, and just going to walk right over uh, the Dallas Mavericks because they had the big three. They were the best team in the league, you know, one of the best teams in the league, and they had these three budding superstars uh, that looked like they could just, you know, out-athletic basically the Dallas Mavericks, but it wasn't like that in the end. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks were able to basically lean on Dirk Nowitzki, who put on an all-time performance to win the NBA Finals and become NBA Finals MVP in the process. Uh, but after that, the Heat really figured it out. They won in 2012, they won in 2013, back-to-back NBA titles. And then after that, uh, LeBron goes back to Cleveland uh, in 2014, and then he kind of creates another super team, pseudo-super team, if you will, in Cleveland with Kyrie Irving. Uh, Kevin Love gets there. By Kevin Love is traded there. If I remember correctly, I'm trying to reconstruct what happened. I think Kevin Love got traded there from the Timberwolves, uh, and the Timberwolves got the rights to Andrew Wiggins, and that's kind of how that all happened. Uh, Andrew Wiggins ends up going to Minnesota, and uh, Kevin Love comes to the Cavaliers. He turns up with um, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and that's another kind of pseudo constructed super team they had Kyrie Kyrie was drafted in Cleveland so we'll give him the nod there but more or less basically a constructed super team and LeBron ends up winning a title there everybody remembers the 73-9 and Warriors uh, 73-9 Golden State Warriors uh go up 3-1 everybody knows the story after that LeBron James comes back and the Cleveland Cavaliers come back win an NBA championship in Cleveland but I think a note to pay attention to with a lot of these is it feels like the construction, the constructed teams, uh, more often than not, without the arguably the greatest player of all time uh, as the focal point of that team, a lot of them fail. A lot of them end up not working out as well. The Golden State Warriors, you can call that a super team, absolutely, but they weren't constructed necessarily. They were all drafted. Steph Curry was drafted through the Warriors. Klay Thompson was drafted through the Warriors. Draymond Green was drafted through the Warriors. They got Kevin Durant, sure. That was only one piece of that team that was actually constructed around the rest of that team. All those three other guys were drafted through that team, and that allows a lot of flexibility and movement in the free agency market that you're not able to do if you go out and sign the biggest names in the sport or take on some of the biggest contracts in the sport in free agency or in a trade to try to construct this uh, some sort of big three type team. If you do it through the draft, if you have patience in doing it through the draft, uh, you can really create a sort of dynasty in that sense better than I think you can with free agency or through trades or anything like that. I think it's just more of an effective way to do it, in my opinion. I think it makes more sense. The Toronto Raptors were a team that were constructed as well, but I'd argue that wasn't necessarily a big three. Uh, it was probably more of a dynamic duo, if you will. Kyle, uh, Kyle Lowry uh, and then Kawhi Leonard, obviously. He was there for a year. Pascal Siakam really came into his own during that year as well, but I don't know. You know, He's not a budding... He wasn't a superstar necessarily, and he was drafted through that team, so was Kyle Lowry. So, you know, and you see the same thing with the Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, both drafted through that team. You don't really have a budding superstar, third superstar through that team. And it just allows more flexibility around the depth of the rest of the team to kind of be constructed around everything that you want. And you don't necessarily have 
like when your three stars are off the court or when they're all, you know, you have to stagger minutes between the three because the other pieces of that team are way worse than any prototypical bench in the NBA. Maybe not way worse than any prototypical NBA bench, but, you know, towards the bottom half of the league in terms of productivity uh, for a bench. You look at the San Antonio Spurs for a while. I mean, they were they were still winning a championship in 2014 when they had Tony Parker still. Tony Parker still. Kawhi Leonard was there. Uh, Tim Duncan was still shuffling around out there. Manu Ginobili was still shuffling around out there. A lot of these constructed big threes, um, I, for the most part, go up in flames. Like I said, it's really been only two. If you want to count the Celtics, you can absolutely count the Celtics of 2007, 2008. That was kind of, it feels like the first one, uh, but I kind of go to the LeBron one because that's when it really shined a light on uh, the idea of a super team and trying to come together and make one one great team to go and win a title. Um, but if you look at super teams after that, other than the two that LeBron have been a part of, Cleveland and Miami, there's been a couple that have been completely, I mean, basically complete disasters. There was one in Oklahoma City. We don't talk about that one, to be honest with you. Russell Westbrook, uh, Paul George, Camelo Anthony, complete disaster. Basically lasted one season and then they tore it all down. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Jimmy Butler, also kind of a disaster. That was the the team that got knocked out by uh, by Kawhi Leonard on his way to a uh, NBA Finals championship and an NBA Finals MVP. Most recently, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, which was a complete disaster with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. I think they ended up like only sharing, I can't remember what the exact number is, but something absurd. Like I think it was like 46 minutes together on the court or something, something truly insane like that. And that was just a complete disaster and ended up really tanking the Nets franchise. I mean, uh, they ended up getting pretty decent deal out of the Suns in order to get rid of Kevin Durant in uh, getting uh, a couple of different guys back that look like they're going to be key cornerstone pieces to the rebuilding of that franchise. But they're going to have to rebuild. And a lot of these guys, I mean, Joel Embiid's still in Philadelphia, so that's not going to be that big of a deal. But Ben Simmons is still in Phil, uh, not not still in Philadelphia, excuse me. Uh, when he left Philadelphia, that was seen as a huge bust. Jimmy Butler left Philadelphia and, and kind of left Philly uh, wondering what the next move was. Kawhi Leonard. When he left Toronto, left a huge, uh, huge hole in Toronto, obviously, uh, and they're still kind of figuring out what they want to be. Pascal Siakam, uh, they're they're looking at Pascal Siakam, hoping he can take the next step. Kyle Lowry left to go to Miami uh, and a couple other places, if I remember correctly, but he may have just gone to Miami. I think he just went to Miami uh, and uh, I got left a big hole. Now they're kind of just stuck in a no man's land and they're kind of on a trade on trading blocks pretty consistently. In Oklahoma City. They got rid of Paul George and Kevin, uh, Paul, all three of those guys, Paul George, Carl Melo, Anthony, and Russell Westbrook, and they basically had to hit restart. They restarted their entire franchise, essentially. They started from the beginning, got a bunch of picks, and then said, you know what, we're just going to start from zero. Most recently as well, uh, Brooklyn Nets, like we said, and then most recently as well, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, that one ended in complete disaster as well, uh, ending up uh, Russell Westbrook uh, being traded and uh, just ended up not working, just period, it did not work. So I'm I'm very hesitant on these constructed big threes when we see around a lot of the NBA uh, the flourishing of everybody's trying to create a big three or something like that through um, free agency, which really can put a problem on the hands of one your spend your availability to spend to surround the the big three stars that you get. Uh, surround them with good enough talent to actually, you know, scatter at least their minutes a little bit. So you're not one, uh, you know, out overplaying them in the regular season to where they kind of become a very fraction of themselves towards the playoffs. And two, it gives you more options uh, when it comes to re-signing certain players. 
They're going to get the best deal out of re-signing certain players uh, that are they drafted through. Once they head towards free agency, see Steph Curry, see Draymond Green, see Clay Thompson, all those guys. They stayed in Golden State, uh, and it ended up, you know, it cost the Warriors a lot of money. But there's a pull to playing toward playing with the team that you that signed that you signed with at the very start of your career uh, for a certain amount of money. And again, the Warriors ended up paying a lot of money for that. But in the end, if you were to ask Bob Myers, was it worth it spending over? Uh, the luxury tax and, and yada, yada, yada for for four championships and what is it? Six appearances in the NBA finals. If the, if it was worth it, I think they will confidently tell you that it was probably worth it. Um, but you you look back at some of the previous champions as well. The Milwaukee Bucks built basically strictly through the draft with a couple of the key pieces that they got through free agency and trades. They weren't the big names, but they were key pieces to fit around uh, Giannis, Chris Middleton, uh, to put around them in order to take that next step to get to the NBA Finals. And then they lean on the back of Giannis uh, and Chris Middleton to take them to the promised land. Then Renungus, the same thing. Uh, they were able to draft guys like Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, and then they were able to find guys in free agency that are able to fit around them, spend a little bit more in free agency on smaller, uh, you know, smaller pieces, I guess is what you could say to fit around your best players that you got through the draft uh, in order to take them to the next level. And, and that's kind of, it's just the the construction of super teams, if you will, or big threes, um, strictly through free agency just doesn't make a lot of sense to me um, because of how much of a limit it puts on your ability to go out in free agency uh, and get pieces that will allow you to form a good enough team to take them to the NBA Finals. And the Suns, I think, are going to be a primary example of that. I don't think they're going to be bad by any means, but when you look at their lack of bench depth now that Bradley Beal uh, is there and uh, Chris Ball is gone, what they had to kind of trade away, what they're going to lose in free agency because of how much uh, it would cost to keep a, a decent amount of those guys that they had on their bench, I think it's going to be end up becoming a shortcoming for them. And Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, even Devin Booker have had injury problems in the past. And when that comes to fruition at some point i mean everybody gets hurt during an nba season some differently some differently than others obviously uh but when they you know somebody gets relatively minorly hurt uh how deep is your team and is it good enough around those big three that you have constructed to help carry the big three when they absolutely need it when they're hurt or you know when they're off uh, on when they're taking their rest on the bench you know um and it's easier to build that sort of thing correctly and uh, efficiently i think through something like the draft where you build prominently through the draft and then you go and find maybe another star one other star through free agency or the other key pieces that you need to um find in free agency and or trade that way ladies and gentlemen it is time for a break to hear from one of our sponsors that is right a sponsor of the program we have our first sponsor on this program in the history of the program, and it is Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Now, look, ladies and gentlemen, I get it. You got to navigate the real estate market. It is impossible. Everybody on House Hunters makes it look super easy. They just go into three different houses and they pick the house they want. Boom, bang, boom. Episode's over. They have a house. It's not that easy, ladies and gentlemen. And Jack and Kathleen Wood will be able to help you throughout that process. And even the people in House Hunters, they have a real estate agent. And these people, Jack Wood, Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate could be your house hunter-esque real estate agent. So if you're looking to buy real estate, sell real estate in the Sheridan area, these are the two people you should call 
Jack at 307-763-1249, and Kathleen at 307-461-7203. So listeners, one of the only things I'll ask from you is to support the people that support the show, and that includes these two, Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Thank you very much for the sponsorship, and make sure you contact them for all of your real estate needs at 307-763-1249 and 307-461-7203. Okay, that is enough of basketball. Basketball season's over. We've got the draft coming up. I might recap it just a little bit when it's over, but everybody knows who's going number one. I think one, two, three are kind of... Um, well-documented and assumed Victor Women Yama's almost certainly going number one. I would put a house on him going number one. Uh, then it'll probably be Brandon Miller and then Scoot Henderson. Your one, two, three is basically already figured out. It gets more interesting towards, you know, after that, uh, where teams shuffle around, if there's trades or something like that, that's when it gets a little bit more interesting. Or if there's trades to move up towards number one or number two or number three uh, between those teams. But we'll maybe talk about that a little bit, uh, you know, uh, next week or something like that when the draft is actually concluded so we're going to move on though no more basketball talk for this episode we are going to talk baseball it's baseball season now basketball season is over baseball season i think for a lot of people has officially started now that basketball season is over there's no uh other of the four major sports on anymore hockey season's over as well congrats to the las vegas or excuse me they're called the vegas golden knights not las vegas they don't say Las. they say vegas golden knights congrats to the vegas golden knights as well for winning a Stanley Cup title, and then the Denver Nuggets, obviously, they won a Stanley or a um, NBA Finals as well. And now it is baseball season. There's nothing in the way of baseball other than the NBA draft. But other than that, it's all baseball season now. And we're going to talk a little. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention to baseball with basketball going on and hockey going on, we're going to do a little reintroduction to the baseball season. We're going to have a little surprises and disappointments so far of the baseball, the MLB 2023. Season. We're going to start with our surprises so far. This may be not my, my first one on this list, maybe not a surprise to everybody else, uh, but it was a surprise to me. If you go back and listen to my uh, baseball season introduction, that sort of thing, uh, then I, I was down on this team because I don't know why. I think I thought, you know, it can't, they can't keep doing this. There's no way they can keep doing this. But I was completely wrong. I was completely wrong. They're still doing this. My number, not number one, but my first one on this list are the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't know how they keep doing this. They they just find guys, and these guys always play up to the absolute uh, best level that they can play at when they're playing with the Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays have taken Moneyball to the absolute extreme uh, in probably good ways and both bad ways, depending on who you're asking, uh, and it is working out for them. I mean, they're top five in every single hitting category that you can imagine, top five in average, top three in on-base percentage, top two in OPS uh, they score the second most runs, they hit the second most home runs, and they steal the most bases in the MLB. Uh, they just have everything going well for them. They are a very good starting pitching team, as the Rays have been, it feels like, for the past 10-plus years. They're a very good pitching team, uh, but their starting pitchers have been brilliant. Um, a couple, Shane McClanahan has been very good for them this entire season. Zach Elflin, who they picked up in free agency from Philadelphia, has been very good for them. Uh, Tyler Glasnow. He's coming off a little bit of an injury, but he needs to pick it up just a little bit, just a little bit more. He got to come kind of bounce back a little bit, and that would be good to see. He's not playing his absolute best, uh, but Shane McClanahan has been incredible. 
Zach Elfline has been incredible out of free agency. Taj Bradley has been pretty good. Uh, they're missing Tyler Glasnow just a little bit, though. If he can, he's got to improve just a tad, just a little bit, and you know things will really be going the right way. But the lineup, lineup's been very good. Uh, they've got it mainly from a couple of guys. Yandy Diaz has played out of his mind. He hasn't been very good in the last like couple of games, but he's been very good throughout the season. Wander Franco has looked like just uh, I, he's just good, man. He's just really good. If there's anybody I want you to watch. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, other than like Ellie Dela Cruz right now, because Ellie Dela Cruz, he is a gift from the Lord himself. He is carved out of marble. One of the craziest players I've ever seen play the game is Ellie Dela Cruz uh, out of Cincinnati. But Wander Franco, probably number two on that list. Uh, him, Fernando Tatis, Ellie Dela Cruz. I mean, they're just a joy to watch. Wander Cruz, a switch hitter, plays shortstop. He is absolutely incredible. He's 22 years old. Uh, he's a fantastic player. Uh, one of the best in the league already. Randy Rosarena has continued on his uh, streak after the um, WBC, and he has continued to play very well. He's definitely picked it up over the past few weeks. Uh, he's been very good. Isaac Paredes has been pretty good for them as well. I mean, just Josh Lowe has been pretty good for them as well. It's just the list goes on and on. They just keep finding guys that I don't get. I don't understand. They come out of nowhere. Manuel Marco is continuing to play well. He's played well over the last few weeks. Uh, struggled a little bit at the start of the season, but... He's continuing to play well, uh, and this team, I mean, they have cooled off a little bit, but they also started, like, had one of the best starts in the history of the MLB uh, to start the season, but they cooled off a little bit, but they're still, I mean, they just looked like the best team in the MLB, uh, just point blank, pure and simple, uh, cut and dry period. Their relief pitchers, that's maybe the one spot that they can probably get burnt on a little bit. Uh, they've had a couple guys that haven't played necessarily that well. Jake Diekman hasn't been very good. Uh, and a couple other guys, Zach Littell, I think is how you say it. Littell has not been very good, uh, but guys like Jason Adam have been good. Uh, Kevin Kelly has picked it up over the past few weeks as well. Um, so bullpens maybe been where they've been hurt the most so far, uh, and they're still missing you know, a couple of pitchers as well. Shane Baz, he's out. Uh, he's not coming back anytime soon. He's got Tommy John surgery, but he obviously is out. Uh, Drew Rasmussen is out. He just he went to the IR in uh, May, early May, if I remember correctly. Uh, so they're missing a couple of pitchers as well. Brandon Lau hasn't been uh, playing in the lineup for like the last two weeks or something like that. So he's been gone. Uh, so they're still missing people, which is completely bonkers to me. They're still missing people and they're still doing what they're doing. Just one of the best teams in the MLB. I don't know what you could say about them. They surprised me. I just thought at the beginning of the year, I was like, there's no way they can keep doing this. There's no way. And here they are. They're They're still... They're still doing it. Uh, also on the list, the Baltimore Orioles, a team that it feels like we've been waiting to really hit their stride uh, for years now. I mean, they have had tons of talent in the lower divisions of uh, minor league baseball waiting for them to come up. And it feels like it's finally uh, kind of paying fruits. And they still have more players that are going to be coming up as well. And it's like, it's not like this is it. You know, there's still team. Still more players that are going to be coming up for the Orioles. They've built a really, really good farm system. Uh, they have a decent offense right now. Not the not the best. They're 12th in average, 12th in OBP, top 10 in OPS runs and stolen bases, uh, 13th in home runs so far hit this year. And they've had a couple of uh, pretty decent players. Adley Rutschman, the switch hitting catcher, has been very good for them. Obviously, all season long, he's been a very good player. Austin Hayes has been pretty good for them all season long. Uh, picked it up over the last seven days as well. Anthony Santander has been very good for them uh, throughout the season. Kind of, he's kind of slowed down a little bit over the last seven days, uh, but those have been the big three bats for the Orioles uh, so far this season. And their starting pitching hasn't been great; it's been less than stellar. I mean, this is that's probably their weakest point so far this season has been their starting pitching: twentieth in ERA, fifteenth in WHIP, 
Uh, they don't walk a lot of guys. Six, uh, sixth in uh, walks per nine innings, 17th in strikeouts per nine innings, and 23rd and 25th in hits and home runs per nine innings. But the relief pitching has been unreal. They've probably got the best relief pitcher in the entire game right now, and Felix Bautista, the dude is unbelievable. Uh, another player that you should absolutely watch is Felix Bautista. He is one of the best players in the league. If he is coming in to uh, to pitch, to close out the game, it is almost certainly going to be closed out. That is how good he is. Uh, Yenier Cano, also, he has been pretty good for them um, throughout the season. He's been a little bit soft uh, over the past 14 days or so, the past two weeks or so, uh, but he's been pretty good for them as well. Just their entire relief staff has been good. Uh, Brian Baker's been good. Danny Cullum, uh, Colome has been very good for them. Uh, just the list goes on and on. Keegan, Keegan Aiken has been good over the past 14 days. Uh, they're starting pitching. Not great. They have to rely on their, the relief arms. It feels like quite a bit. Kyle Gibson has been okay. Uh, Dean Kremer has been okay. Kyle Brandish has been okay. Cole Irvin has not been good. Uh, and Tyler Wells has been pretty okay so far this year. They're missing arguably their best pitcher in John Means. He's not coming back anytime soon either. He had to get Tommy John surgery. Uh, so we might see him. We might not see him. I don't think he's going to be back anytime soon, though. It have, hasn't really been any uh, talks about that yet. Um, and they're still missing, you know, other relief pitchers and like Dylan Tate, Michael Givens as well, Austin Voth, a couple of guys that they're missing. So teams should only get better. And they've got more names coming up through the minors that are going to be very good. I mean, it's just a matter of time when more like, you know, Jackson Holiday is a guy that's going to be coming up for them. Grayson Rodriguez, a very good starting pitcher, should be coming up for them. Gunnar Henderson is in the MLB. He's in now, but, you know, he's still kind of very young. He's 22 years old as well. It's shortstop you know, or third base, excuse me. Uh, and, you know, he should still he's still got time to kind of grow into that position as well. So they still have a lot of guys are going to come up and really make a difference on this team. And they're going to be very good. The Baltimore Orioles be prepared for the Baltimore Orioles to really stick around for the next 10 years, probably if they can keep a lot of that team uh, together next on the list, the Rangers, probably the most surprising. I, I don't think that I'm out of the realm of realm of speculation and saying, the most surprising team so far this year. They have been unbelievable. Uh, I don't think anybody saw this jump uh, with some of the signings that they had or some of the free agency pickups or anything like that or some of the uh, some of the players that they had coming from coming from their minor league system or anything like that. Uh, but they've had an unreal jump. For, uh, unbelievable hitting team. First in average, first in on-base percentage, third in OPS, first in runs, seventh in home runs. They don't steal a lot of banks, 24 stolen base, 24th in stolen bases, but they can hit the cover off of the ball right now. They've had, they've got arguably an MVP candidate right now in their lineup and Marcus Simeon. He has been fantastic this season. Corey Seager looks like he's finally coming back to himself. Adolis Garcia has been very good. Josh Jung has been very good, who is a call up and he's played very well. Uh, Leota Tavares has been relatively good over the past few, uh, few appearances as well. Uh, Yona Haim has been a pretty nice surprise for them as well. Uh, they just basically everybody in this lineup has been very good. Nathaniel Lowe has been pretty decent. Uh, just everybody. I mean, it's crazy how good this team is through like basically one through seven or eight in the lineup. The only guys that have been head scratchers, Mitch Garver has been kind of a head scratcher for them. Uh, and uh, Ezekiel Duran, but that's kind of a, you know, left field kind of a, a head scratching spot for them in general. Um, but yeah, other than that, Simeon, Seeger, Lowe, Adolis Garcia, Josh Jung, uh, Leota Tavares as of recently has been very good. Uh, Yona Haim has been very good. That's just a, a lineup that has been very solid for them. Uh, and then their starting pitching has been very good. And they this is after they lost Jacob DeGrom. They got they got guys like Nate Evaldi, who I miss every day. Uh, every day I wake up, I am missing Nate Evaldi. I'm like, Nate, I, Nate, I wish you were a Sox still. I wish you were a Red Sox because Nate Evaldi, killing it in Texas. 
He's one of, been one of the best pitchers so far this year. He had arguably uh, the best June of any starting pitcher, or the best, uh, the, yeah, so far the best June of any starting pitcher in the MLB. Uh, he's been fantastic. Uh, John Gray has been relatively decent, which I know hurts Rockies fans. Andrew Heaney, Heaney has been relatively decent. Martin Perez hasn't really lived up to what he put together last year, but he's still been relatively decent. Uh, and Dane Dunning, probably the weakest of the five, but still pretty solid. And this is after Jacob DeGrom went down. Like this is post Jacob DeGrom, which is crazy. They are one of the best starting rotations, third in ERA, fourth in whips, seventh in walks per nine, uh, 19th in strikeouts per nine, third in hits per nine, fourth in home runs per nine. Just one of the best teams. It's wild how good they are um, in the starting pitching staff. I think they look, you looked at that at the start of the year and you're like this pitching staff, there's no way they're going to be good. There's no chance. I thought Nate Ovaldi was going to be decent, but nowhere near as good as he has been so far this year. He's arguably touching uh, Cy Young category stuff. Uh, he's been truly fantastic. Uh, the relief pitching, eh, you know, the relief pitching maybe drops it off a little bit. Will Smith's been really good for them. Uh, Josh Schwarbs, Swarbs, I don't know how to say his name. He's been really good over the past few appearances, and he's been pretty good all season long. But after that, they've been kind of a... Uh, Kind of a mess. Jose LeClaire has not been very good. John King hasn't been very good. Joe Barlow hasn't been very good. Uh, it's basically been the Will Smith and Josh Spores, Spores show. I don't know how to say his name. Jo- Josh Shorbs. That's what we're going to say it is. Will Smith, Josh Shorbs been pretty decent for that team. Uh, they are missing guys like Brad, Brad Miller. He's a utility man. He's been out since like late May. Uh, so they're maybe missing him. Jacob DeCrom. I mean... What do you do with Jacob DeGrom at this point? You know, I feel bad for the guy because it's clear he really wants and maybe probably one of the not saddest because it's not over. It's not one of the saddest stories or anything like that, because, again, it's not over yet. I mean, he's still uh, he's not young. He's 35 years old. But, you know, I I still think there's some career left uh, to be juiced out of Jacob DeGrom. And it's sad because, you know, he wants to be out there and he's just he can't stop dealing with injuries. Um, so we'll see with Jacob DeGrom, but again, Rangers seem to be, you know, chugging along without him just fine. So, I mean, one of the most interesting teams of the season so far, they're unreal offense, uh, and pretty good starting pitching, even without Jacob DeGrom, the Marlins, they've been kind of a weird team, kind of a reverse, a revert to a like old baseball type in one piece of that one piece of their team versus like Jorge Soler, who was another piece in their team, who is like the absolute maximum three outcomes guy and then you got like Luis Arias who is their um basically leadoff guy more often than not and he is not he is a complete reversal to the means he's hitting 400 as of Tuesday which I never thought I'd see we had a guy hitting 400 he had a, he's had a couple five hit games a couple three hit games the guy is incredible and they got Jorge Soler right behind him behind him who is like just swinging out of his shoes every time he's up to the plate to try to send one into the moon. And Luis Arias, I think he has like the most hits under uh, under 90 mile an hour exit velocity or something like that in the league. So they go one, two in that lineup and they've been very good. Uh, you know, I'm not bashing either uh, Luis Arias or anything like that. I'd love to have Luis Arias on my team just because he is an on-base machine hitting 400, hitting 400 in the year 2023. Jorge, Jorge Soler hits bombs and he's been doing playing very good this year. Uh, Brian De La Cruz has been pretty good this year as well for them. Uh, but that's it. Their offense, other than those three guys, has been kind of a train wreck. Uh, nobody else is really playing very good for them. Joey Wendell's been a mess. Uh, Garrett Cooper has not been good. Jesus Sanchez has not been good. John Birdie has not been good. Like the whole lineup has been pretty much bad outside of the top three guys. And it really is more more or less the top two guys in Luis Arias and, uh, and Jorge Soler. They're pitching uh, a head-scratcher as well. I don't understand... 
why Sandy Alcantara has been so bad. He has been, uh, I mean, so bad as relative. He's been, you know, he won a Cy Young last year. So you're expecting, you know, a good, a very decent, a very solid follow-up year. But he has not done that. He has not been very good so far this year. Uh, but if they, he's had guys around him that have really stepped up. Jesus Lazardo's looked very good out of uh, out of the starting rotation. Yuri Perez has looked good recently. Braxton Garrett's looked really good recently. Uh, so, you know, he's had guys step up around him. He needs to play better, though, if they want to make it anywhere past, you know, the wild card round. If they make it to that point, if they want to get through the wild card round, Sandy Alcantara, because that's who's going to get the ball, um, needs to play better, just period. Um, but... Other than the starting rotation and they're hitting their their relief pitchers, very middle of the pack, not uh, you know nothing to necessarily write home about. I mean, pretty pretty decent, I guess. Tanner Scott's been pretty good for them. Andrew Nardi's been uh, relatively good over the past few weeks as one of their one of their uh, prospects. He's called he's been called up and he's been playing pretty good as well. Uh, but this team, it just kind of feels like they are. Not lucky. That feels like the wrong word. I don't think it's lucky. Luis Araya's hitting 400. I mean, you have to have a little luck attached with that, obviously. But, you know, it's not all luck. But it feels like they are, you know, one slump away from really, really falling out of, you know, the surprise section and back to where, you know, we thought they were going to be, essentially. Uh, Luis Araya's hitting 400 is an outlier, I think, for the most part. Uh, And Jorge Soler playing as well as he is. He's a guy, Jorge Soler. Is one is a guy that's you know he's gonna hit home runs, but he's also gonna hit like two thirty, and we're just you know we're gonna at some point he's gonna hit uh, two thirty for like three weeks, and he's not gonna have any home runs or very little home runs or RBI or anything like that, and then it's really gonna be a big regression. So we'll see where this team ends up, but um, surprise so far, I would say very much a surprise so far, um, and arguably another team other than the Rangers, arguably the best team in the league so far or a more surprising team in the league so far is what I should say have been the Arizona Diamondbacks the an absolute stunner from them they have been unbelievable especially on offense uh their top 10 in average on base percentage OPS runs and stolen bases they're 11th in home runs uh they have a rookie that is basically putting in an MVP type season in Corbett Carroll he has been absolutely unbelievable for this team uh one of the best players in the MLB MLB period cut and dry even through uh week one or not week one year one excuse me of his uh, mlb career he has been truly unbelievable he's think hitting 304 386 on base percentage slugging at a 596 uh he's got a 3.5 war right now wins above replacement he's been unbelievable uh Ketel Marte has been very good for them as well though somebody that's kind of been a cornerstone for that team for a long time even though they haven't been very good Good to see Cattell Marte playing good for a team that is good now. Uh, Christian Walker's played very well for them as well. And then uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has played pretty well. He hasn't been very good the last few weeks, uh, but he's been very good throughout the season. They do need to find somebody to kind of shore up like six, seven, eight, nine in their lineup because, you know, Alec Thomas hasn't been very good. Gabriel Man- uh, Moreno hasn't been very good. Jake McCarthy hasn't been very good. A lot of those guys, they need one more bat in that lineup for me to really feel confident about their team. And their starting pitching needs to be better if you need if if you want to be confident about the team. They need to be a little bit better starting pitcher. They're not a great starting pitching staff. 22nd in ERA, 22nd in whip, 21st in walks per nine, 23rd in strikeouts per nine, uh, 20th in hits per nine, and 12th in home runs per nine. They've got uh probably two guys that are like uh, one guy is probably going to be an ace, another guy that's going to be a good number two, Zach Gallen. Uh, he's going to be a, an ace for this team. It feels like for a very long time he is fantastic. Very good player. Uh, and Merrill Kelly, he has his stretches. He's been 
pretty good throughout this season as well. But after that, there's a pretty deep, a pretty steep drop off in Tommy Henry, Zach Davies, and Ryan Nelson uh, that don't do enough on the bump consistently to get this team, you know, past a divisional round or something like that. If they continue playing like this, their their bullpen's been pretty good, but they're starting. Uh, their starting uh, starting rotation has not been very good. Their bullpen, though, Scott McGough has been very good. Andrew Chafin, uh, as, a, as a veteran, has come through and has played very well for them. And then Austin Adams has played very good for them recently, pitched very well for them recently, uh, and they've had some pretty good bullpen outings, as well as Miguel Castro has been very uh, pretty, pretty solid for them as well. Uh, and the other thing is, speaking of luck, They've avoided a lot of the injury problems, which has been which has been very important for them. Uh, they've only got three guys on the IL right now uh, that seem like they're going to be there for a while. But other than that, they've really avoid avoided uh, any sort of injury problems, especially to a guy like you know Corbin Carroll, who has carried uh, that team throughout this season so far. He's been fantastic, uh, and it is a joy to watch uh, as well in the MLB. Okay, let's move on to. The disappointments so far this season. We're going to go into the disappointments. Number, uh, the first one on the list. I don't want to say number one because it's all kind of relative. But the first one on my list, the team that I thought was really going to turn around at the beginning of the year. I really wanted them to turn it around at the beginning of the year because if they're playing well, it's a team that I think could be a lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to watch just because of the personalities that they have on that team. And that is the Chicago White Sox. They have been a disaster uh, they're 31 and 43, five and a half back of the AL Central, which that is totally feasible for them to get. The AL Central is kind of a disaster. No good teams in the AL Central, really, to be honest with you. Uh, but the White Sox have definitely been the biggest disappointment. They are not good at really uh, anything other than in starting pitching. They they strike out a lot of batters. They also walk a lot of guys, though, as well. So it's a it's a give and a take. And then their offense has just been with the the names that they have in their offense. They should not be as bad as they are, uh, but they have just not been good. Laura, Louis Rob, Luis Robert uh, Robert Jr. has probably been the best player, and Ravon's been pretty good here and there. Uh, but there are a lot of guys that just have not been good. Eloy has not been very good. Yasmani Grandal has not been very good. Jake Berger hasn't panned out so far. Uh, Elvis Andrews has been a very bad signing for them. Uh, Tim Anderson has really struggled as well. He's going. He's been going through some injuries, but he's struggled throughout the season as well. Uh, it's just been kind of a mess. And then uh, Dylan Cease, he's been okay as kind of a follow-up to his best season. Lucas Giolito has been their best starter, uh, but Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech have both been uh, pretty good so far, but they're really searching for like a fourth and a fifth guy in that uh, starting rotation. They're missing Yohan Moncada. Missing Mike Clevenger, obviously, he's been hurt since uh, like seven days ago, essentially, with biceps inflammation, so we'll see when he's back, uh, but they're missing Yohan Moncada. He got hurt about eight days ago as well, and then uh, Garrett Crochet, he's been hurt since about five days ago, so they've been battling the injury bug. Liam Hendricks, uh, a great story, but he just got hurt as well, elbow inflammation. Uh, Lance Lynn has also been a very uh, pretty decent pitcher for them as well, but they're looking for that fourth and fifth guy. Uh in this team, and I don't know what they do from here. Honestly, the the offense just looks like it's it feels like it's never going to uh, fix itself. You know what I mean? It feels like there has to be some pretty drastic moves in order for them to really be fixed. Uh, whether bring whether it be bring in some new guys or bring in you know your token vet or something like that. Uh, it just and that I thought was supposed to be Elvis Andrews, but it just really hasn't been that. He hasn't been that yet this year. Uh, there just has to, they they just need somebody else. I think they just need somebody in that lineup that can be a staple and some sort of veteran leadership in this team uh, that can kind of correct the course. I still kind I mean I I don't want to say I don't believe in them because I mean like I said the AL Central is a mess. 
they could easily come back, have a very good, uh, you know, back half of June or early July and be in the driver's seat for the AL Central once again, heading into the All-Star break. So, you know, I'm not giving up on them, but they've definitely been a disappointment, like absolutely no doubt there. Uh, Been very disappointing so far uh, this year. Next on my list is the Seattle Mariners. I thought this team was going to take a jump as well. Um, I thought with some of the moves that they'd made, getting guys like Teoscar Hernandez, I thought AJ Pollock was going to be a good grab as like that, uh, you know, again, that veteran presence that would be in that lineup to kind of guide, you know, Julio Rodriguez, try Ty France, those guys uh, in the direction, more like Julio Rodriguez, Ty France is getting up there, but you know, Jared Kalenic, you know, those guys in the right direction. But for the most part, this lineup has not been very good. Julio Rodriguez has been okay. Ty France has been okay. Jared Kalenic has been pretty good. Jared Kalenic, he's kind of bounced back. He's really, he really struggled in the first few years of his career, kind of getting used to MLB pitching, but he's, 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 Balanced it out a little bit more this year. Uh, but the rest of those guys, Eugenio Suarez has not been very good. Cal Raleigh has been not very good. Uh, and then, you know, uh, uh, Teoscar Hernandez has not been, I mean, he's been okay, but he's not been very good. JP Crawford, strictly a defensive glove, essentially at shortstop, but obviously you need some sort of bat in there as well. And he has not necessarily uh, been a very good bat either. Uh, they're still waiting on, feels like Colton Wong to kind of pay out a pan out as well. AJ Pollock, like I said, he has not panned out as well. Uh, and then Tom Murphy, Dylan Moore, who are their, their bench guys for now, have not necessarily been very good. They have very good starting pitching. Their starting pitching has been very solid so far this year. Luis Castillo has been a bona fide ace. He's been fantastic. George Kirby has really come through and pitched very well. Uh, Bryce Miller has been pitching pretty well uh, in the last 14 days. He's been very solid. Uh, and then uh, Logan Gilbert's been pretty on and off, but he's been, for the most part, pretty good so far this year. And then Andres Munoz, Munoz out of uh, the bullpen and Paul Seawald have been pretty solid this year as well. They've gotten pretty decent pitching out of the bullpen just uh, in total as well. Their pitching has really been the best part of this team so far. Their offense just needs to find, you know, they need to get into rhythm. They need to get hot. Uh, and this team could definitely still be dangerous, obviously. They're not going to have Robbie Ray. He had Tommy John surgery. That's a big loss, obviously. Uh, and Marco Gonzalez, he's been da- battling a strained forearm as well. So uh, we will see where this Mariners team is. I, I Once that lineup gets hot, I think they can be a very good team because of how good uh, that pitching, uh, their their pitching staff is. But uh, as it stands right now, their their offense is struggling and they can't really, they're not a very good run scoring team. And uh, without that, obviously, you can uh, here's a here's a hot take. You can't win games if you can't score runs. How about that for a hot take, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, OK, and switching over to the National League, a uh, couple teams here as well. Um, I'm going to just kind of do one from each division. The Mets, uh, you could put a poster for disappointment and it would probably be a picture of the Mets logo because that is what they have been this year they have been a disaster not anything uh that they have paid nothing that that they paid for is really panning out to be honest with you their offense hasn't been good their pitching hasn't been very been very good their relief pitchers have been pretty like okay but you know you, you paid a lot for your starting pitching and that has not been very good the offense has not been very good Pete Alonso has been the shining star in this offense uh over the past basically the entire season uh he had been in the uh, been on the IL and he'd been dealing with uh, uh an injury but he came back he's back in the lineup now uh, and he had been very good throughout this uh, this season so far. Francisco Lindor has been pretty good. Uh, he's been okay. I would say Brandon Nimmo has been okay, but everybody else in this lineup has been very disappointing. Tommy Pham has not been very good. Jeff McNeil following up a batting title has not been very good. Uh, Vogelbaugh, Brett Beatty, not been very good. You know, the whole list, uh, Starling Marte has not really followed up uh, that very good season from last year very well. He has not been very good. So, 
Lineup's not been very good. The starting pitching has not been very good. Max Scherzer has been less than stellar. I think the pitch clock really bothered him at the start of the year. He's kind of getting into this groove a little bit more, but he has not been, you know, he's not been token Max Scherzer uh, that we're so used to seeing. Justin Verlander, similar, uh, you know, you're kind of taking a gamble when you're getting somebody in free agency at 40 years old, but I still think he's a very good player. I still think he's a very good pitcher. We'll see uh, where Justin Verlander ends up, but he has not been very good so far this year. Uh, and then Kodai Senga has been probably the best pitcher that they've had with the ghost fork. He's been pretty good. Uh, and then Tyler, Taylor, Tyler McGill has not been very good. And Carlos Carrasco has not been very good. Uh, David Robertson out of nowhere out of the bullpen though. He's been pretty good. Who would have thought? Uh, out of nowhere. Adam Montavino has been pretty decent. Brooks Raley has been pretty decent. Uh, Drew Smith uh, has been pretty decent. A couple guys have been pretty decent out of the uh, out of the bullpen for the Mets. But the lineup just, they need to play. Again, another run scoring issue. Just a team that is not doing very well. They're walking too many guys out of the uh, from the starting pitching perspective. Uh, they're they're you know giving up too many runs, obviously, from the starting pitching perspective. But their offense has not hit very well either. So... Just it just a complete disaster so far for the for the New York Mets. You'd like to see them better. They are uh, 34 and 38 on the season. 12 game back, 12 games back of the Braves. I don't see them catching the Braves because of how good that Braves team is right now. And I'm not putting them in the surprises section because it's the I mean, the Braves were, you know, they're very good. Um, But I don't see them catching the Braves. They can maybe make a wild card game because. I don't necessarily trust the Marlins that much, and I don't necessarily trust the Phillies that much to keep that lead uh, of uh, a couple games in front of the Mets. So we'll see there. Uh, if this lineup gets turned around, though, then I, I think, you know, it's all tying, you know, all all clear signs for liftoff, if you will, uh, for the New York Mets. They are dealing with uh, New York. Did I say New York Mets? The New York Mets. Excuse me. New York Mets. Interesting. Uh, they're missing, you know, uh, Jose Quintana, another starting pitcher that they lost. He's probably out for the rest of the season. He had prone graft surgery on his rib, probably gone for the rest of the season. So they're missing him. They need another, probably a four or five starter. They need Verlander to play better. They need Scherzer to play better. Uh, and they just need, they just need everybody in this lineup to play better. I mean, just the whole team really needs to play better in order for them to take uh, that next step uh, in the NL central. This one's easy. The St. Louis Cardinals have been, uh, just bad. They've been bad so far this year. A very surprising bad. I think a lot of people thought that they were going to take a jump as well uh, with some of the names that they had coming up in the uh, in the prospect area of the world. Um, but they've taken a step down. They're 30 and 43 last place in the NL Central. Uh, their starting pitching has not been very good. Their lineup is kind of starting to figure things out a little bit more. Uh, Nolan Arenado starting to play a little bit better. Paul Goldschmidt continues to play very well. Uh, but their but their lineup outside of those two has not been uh, very good. It's been very much Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, everybody else around him is not have around them have not been very good. Nolan Gorman's been okay. Tommy Edmonds been okay, but Paul DeYoung has not been good. Jordan Walker, granted, he's a rookie prospect. He hasn't been very good. Uh, and uh, the list goes on. Wilson Contreras has been pretty disappointing at catcher uh, in that signing. Brendan Donovan has not been very good. You know, it's just uh, been very disappointing. Dylan Carlson hasn't been very good either. Just been very disappointing as much of a lineup uh, as that is, as talented as the lineup as that should be. It's just been very, very disappointing uh, as far as the lineup goes with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. And Nolan Arenado had a very bad start to the season, uh, but they have been the, um, you know, the guys that they've been leaned on even during this time uh nolan arenado said tried to drag them as long as well as paul goldschmidt dragged them to a better record um uh, but the strength pitching has not been very good jack flattery hasn't really panned out jordan montgomery hasn't panned out very well very well adam wainwright starting to show uh his age i think in my opinion he's really starting to show his age 
Uh, and then Miles Mikolas has been only okay. Matthew Liberator has only been okay. Um, just no defined ace for this team yet. Jack Flattery was supposed to be that guy, it felt like, to be that guy to take over the Wainwright spot as the next, you know, just like Chris Carpenter. Uh, or, um, Adam Wainwright waited in the wings for Chris Carpenter, and then Wainwright came in. It felt like Jack Flattery was going to be that guy, uh, but he just has not really been that guy so far this year. Uh, he just has not panned out uh, in that situation, and their bullpen has been kind of a mess as well. Jordan Hicks, Giovanni Gallegos have been the two the two primary options out of the bullpen, and then there's a pretty steep drop-off after that from a lot of those guys. Um, so we'll see what the Cardinals. I don't know what the answer is for them. Uh, they're still missing Tyler O'Neill. He's been out since early May. So once the heat comes back, if he comes back, that would be uh, a big, a big, uh, big thing to bring back. Ryan Helsley, uh, who's been a very good relief pitcher as well. He went out earlier in June uh, with a strained forearm and um, they'll be glad to welcome him back as well to the bullpen. Uh, have that third arm, that third dominant arm out of the bullpen, but um, we'll see I, this team. This team feels like they're, Probably going to try to find somebody on the trade block to add to that lineup as well, um, or even in that rotation as well. Probably in the rotation more than the lineup because it feels like the lineup is just waking to wake up out of a waiting to wake up out of a out of a six month or excuse me like a two three month slump essentially because uh, they got the talent there. Jordan Walker is going to be very good. Wilson Contreras has you know been very good as a catcher, uh, and you know Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado they showed us time and time again that can be very good. Tommy Edmond as well. So. You know, it feels like we're just waiting on them to wake up, but that rotation does, in my opinion, that rotation does need uh, some sort of ace. If it's not going to be flattery, uh, they need to go and find somebody that can be that in order for them to jolt back up the standings in a very winnable NL Central. They're only eight games back of the Reds who are in first place. And granted, I didn't put the Reds on my surprises yet because it's still early. It feels like they're kind of riding the hot hand of Ellie De La Cruz, uh, you know, in more hype than anything. If this team pans out, you know, goes on another 15 game run, then I'll, then I'll sit down and be like, okay, this is a very good team. Then, then I'll, then I'll capitulate, but I'm still waiting, still waiting a little bit on the Reds. Uh, and then finally, last team I want to, last team I want to highlight as a disappointment so far have been the San Diego Padres. Uh, another team that, was spent spent a lot of money in the offseason to try to, get, try to get as many players as they could in the uh in the lineup in the starting rotation in the bullpen they just spent a lot of money but the lineup has not panned out yet the lineup has been basically bad i mean for this team they're 27th in average 19th on base percentage 19th in ops 21st in runs 12th in home runs and 6th in stolen bases uh, so not hitting very well for average. Fernando Tatis is back in the lineup, and he looks like he's starting to really get his stride again. Juan Soto starting to get his stride again. He's had a pretty decent year. Uh, he struggled at the beginning of the year, but he's really starting to uh, gain his stride back as well. Xander, Xander Bogarts has been less than stellar, but I feel like he's starting to get into his stride as well. But Manny Machado hasn't been very good. Cronenworth hasn't been very good. Uh, Ringo Odor, I thought that was a weird signing when they got him, and he hasn't been very good. Uh, and then Haseyong Kim, basically a defensive uh, defensive middle infielder. He's not going to be great with the bat and he hasn't necessarily been very good with the bat. And then Trent Grisham, a defensive center fielder, essentially he's been not very, he has not been very good with the bat either. Um, still waiting on a guy like, I mean, Nelson Cruz is 43, but I mean, he's got pop in his bat still, you know, he's proved time and time again, he's got pop in that bat. I'd, I'd like to see him, uh, more to be honest with you, but you know, that's asking, he's 43. Like I get it. I get why we're not seeing more of him. Obviously, uh, they're starting pitching for the most part 
has been pretty decent so far this year. You Darvish still looking like a very good player, uh, a very good, uh, very good starter. Uh, Blake Snell showed out in his last start and last few starts. He's been very good and he's been pretty solid throughout the season. Um, so good to see him back to his old ways. Michael Walk has been very, very good for this team. Very good. Kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, was a free agent. They signed him in free agency and he's been a very, very good signing for them so far. Uh, Musgrove feels like Joe Musgrove. We're kind of waiting on him to bounce back as well. Um, but yeah, this starting rotation again feels like. They are one of the better rotations. If they are all clicking on, you know, all, on all cylinders, this is going to be a very dangerous starting rotation with you, Darvish, uh, Michael Walker, Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove. They're all pitching well. That's going to be a very dangerous rotation. Just like we were saying about their lineup, though, too. And their lineup has not been that yet. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the potter is. And then uh, really quickly, their relief pitching. I mean, Hater, basically the best and best closer in the game outside of uh, Felix Bautista in Baltimore. He's been very good. Our, the best left-handed reliever in the game for sure. Um, he's been very good for them. Uh, but Nick Mar- Nick Martinez has been very good for them as well. And so is Steven Wilson. Uh, just a pretty solid relief staff from those three guys. Kind of falls off a cliff as well, though, after those guys. Uh, but, you know, when Hayter's in, it, you can kind of lock it up. Go start the car. The game is pretty much over. Uh, Nick Martinez has been a very good uh, hold, a setup man for Josh Hader as well. So uh, a couple of good guys in the bullpen for them as well. And it's another lineup that feels like they're just waiting to get out of their slump once Juan Soto, and Juan Soto has been playing pretty well. And Fernando Tatis starts going, and then uh, Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado. Manny Machado was arguably an MVP candidate last year. Uh, and once he gets going, then this lineup is going to be very, very dangerous if they start going. Their seven, eight, nine guys are not stellar they have a lot of defensive you know defensive players in their lineup uh, and i'd like to see them and and I'm cr- it's crazy i'm saying this i'd like to see them try to spend to try to get somebody at the trade deadline or something like that i'd love to see that but i mean we'll see it, it, kim is a very good defensive midfield uh, middle infielder uh but i think they need a bat at second base more than anything as well um as well as in center field so we'll see those are my disappointments my surprises and my disappointments for the MLB season so far, um, it's back. MLB season is basically, I mean, you know, it's underway for everybody else that stopped watching because basketball season was going on. You know, now it's back underway. It's the only thing you can pay attention to now. So go watch some baseball. Go root on your favorite team. It's back, ladies and gentlemen. MLB season is going to be sticking around for the next three months. So get used to it. Uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, I believe is going to wrap up the show. And I thank you very much for tuning in. Listening to this preview for the rest of baseball season, talking a little big three action, big three teams, stuff like that. And thank you very much for tuning in. Um, remember to rate, follow the show on any of those podcasting platforms. Give a big shout out to Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate for sponsoring the show. Always great, uh, always great to see them. Great partners in in this podcasting venture that we're through. And a big thank you to them for sponsoring the show as well. Uh, it is greatly appreciated. Make sure you contact them for all of your real estate needs that you'll ever need. Those are the people to go see. They're great people, uh, and they will get you the best deal possible on either a sell or a buy, which you're, whatever you're looking for. Uh, but for now, uh, I want to thank you very much for tuning in. This has been the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast, and I have been your host, James Timberlake. <laughs>